What if we told you you could turn your everyday shopping into savings for your kids? How good does that sound? Let us tell you about Kids Start, the free shopping club for parents that tops up your children's savings with the money that you earn back from over 2,300 retailers. Head to www.kidstart.co.uk forward slash medicmums or find the link in today's show notes. We were newly married people. We'd been really open about the fact that we'd wanted to have kids. And people would say, you know, oh, when you think about having a baby, you know, classic, like everyone does. And we had gotten to the point of just absolutely mastering, like, the answer that we would give. But like, oh, no, you know, we want to just travel a bit, you know, enjoying being married. But underneath that was the, you know, month after month of negative pregnancy tests you know and it was just kind of building and so I think the more that it built up and the more that we kind of pretended that that's not what we were doing the harder than it was to actually tell people and I think we just weren't we just weren't ready either. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Medic Mum podcast with me Dr Poonam and me Dr Steph. So this week is a particularly special episode because actually we are celebrating our one year anniversary of the podcast how incredible is that (laughs) so our producer just before we started recording this he said that our trailer actually went out on the 22nd of november which is tomorrow so when i say one year anniversary it's like the actual that pretty much to the day um which is just so cool so i think we should share that as our win for this week what do you think Oh, do you know, it gives me all the feels, like it's properly goosebumpy because a year ago today, like literally our universe as we knew it was so different. Um, we were in lockdowns uh, and our babies were like not even a year yet. Oh. And yeah, I think just going back to that time where everything was just such an uncertainty. I mean, you know, things are still quite uncertain at the moment, but we were so nervous about whether this would even be heard by one mum, <laughs> let alone all the like downloads and people that have listened and have taken us to like all sorts of heights on the charts. It's just incredible to think that this was a year ago. Um, and just a real special thank you to all of you for listening, for supporting, for encouraging, uh, because through this whole process, we've certainly grown a lot and learned a lot from you guys. Um, I feel just really grateful. Like, I'm so grateful. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's been the messages that I love receiving the most is when... I think sometimes you forget that when we're recording that people are actually going to be listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you get messages saying, oh, I listened to your podcast, you suddenly think, oh my goodness, like I hope it was all okay, you know, and you suddenly then feel a little bit vulnerable that you're putting yourself out there. But actually when you do and when you get it back, it's an incredible feeling. Um, yeah. And I just think it's such a privilege as well that people choose to listen. You know, people will say, yeah. I've just had a baby and, you know, whenever I go on my walks you were the guy you know you I listen to you guys and it's so nice because I just feel like I'm chatting you know listening to two friends having a conversation which basically it is um that's yeah. the kind of the totally the feel that we're going for but it's so nice and especially because like you said there have been times where it's been really difficult to see other people we've all been a bit more socially isolated and so to know that we're kind of in people's ears giving them yeah. a little bit of company hopefully kind of giving them a little bit of support in some way shape or form yeah. um is a real privilege actually so. it really is and i think the fact that it's come out from a space where we were feeling 
quite vulnerable mm-hmm. and <clears throat> alone in it because let's face it, although we're GPs and yes, we look after lots of mums and children and families, when we were on the other side of it, and we are on the other side of it, it's just mums to young children where, let's face it, nobody teaches you what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, there's lots of things that we've kind of gone through where we have learned, and I think passing on our experiences, our insights, our reflections, um, and getting that back from you, just it's, it's the community. That's what motherhood actually is all about. Uh, so yes, thank you. And yes, I think this is a complete mum win that because despite the fact that we've had life happening, we, I said on my Instagram stories the other day, as I shared about our, you know, one year anniversary that was coming up, we do this like after the kids go to bed, often after a full day at the surgery, not because we're super mums, just because we want to have a good old rant and a moan <laughs> um, as we try and figure out the solutions to the juggling act. Um, but yeah, it's been such a labour of love, but actually to spend that time at night, sometimes well past midnight, I mean, that is that is a win. And we have had very few baby tantrums. The babies have very much behaved. They have, um, actually. Along they the very way. good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, a total mum win. A total mum win, exactly. I was also going to add in a few appearances from Simba. Um, oh, well, yes. He, he's like, maybe we need the medic dog podcast. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, they always forget about me. Uh, if you are... A mother to an animal. It's also hard work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that could be like a little spin-off. I feel like maybe I need to get a puppy and then I'll understand. Oh my goodness, you totally do. I do I genuinely feel you feel that the world is is quite incomplete until you've actually felt the love from an animal. Oh, like don't uh, say and that. watching don't say you know, that. because when you watch them as well, especially I don't have cats, I'm not a cat person. But I think since having our dog and watching the love that he has with my kids and vice versa, it is like nothing that I've ever experienced before. So that yes, so my mission throughout this podcast, how many series will be to get you to get Oh no, <laughs> I've opened myself up here. Do you know what? If you feel that Steph should have a puppy, please do get in touch with us. <laughs> Send us a DM, let us pressurise you to do this. Yeah, a little puppy might just appear on my doorstep one day <laughs> from someone. <laughs> Do you know what? Before we had kids, you never know. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is really gravelly. I've been—I lost my voice a few days ago. It's, it's kind of back, so that's why I've got this exactly too much prosecco. I wish. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's a bit gravelly still. So apologies for if I'm like kind of coughing and spluttering during this but anyway uh before we had kids actually Akash and I he had a dog when he was growing up and he's so settled he's like I just love having a dog you know we should really think about it and we did get to a point where like maybe and then I thought you know what we're about to have a baby let's just have the baby first see how that goes and then we can talk about the dog two kids later we have not had a single conversation about having a dog just because I don't know to me it's just is it more work It's really not actually, you know, we could not have done this pandemic without our dog. Like I think that for, I mean, bearing in mind, we didn't think we could have any more kids. So Simba came along into our life, who is a gorgeous, blondie, apricotty, yummy little cockapoo. (laughs) So he just basically looks like a real life teddy bear. Um, (laughs) But he came into our world uh, and... 
became the other child. And when lockdown hit and suddenly we had a new baby in the mix and my then seven-year-old who was kind of having quite a, an anxiety-provoking time, you know, his whole world had changed. He was feeling quite lonely and didn't really know how to communicate it. It was Simba that honestly, truly saved it. Oh, like, I nice. think that the relationship between them has been so beautiful, watching them grow together. We got him, Simba, when Irish was three. So watching them grow over the years has been just something else. But on days where Irish is like maybe had a bit of an overwhelming day or when he comes from school, mm. it's like he, you can just see him like dozing up and all that yummy oxytocin. Oh. Like, But, you know, it's like the first person always is Simba cuddles it's the person that probably knows all of Irish's secrets more than I do um and you know and they get you out for fresh air they get you out for that exercise I think that um especially in terms of when you think even with things like allergies I know you talk about this so much mm. but you know there's so much evidence there to support the children that do grow up with animals actually are less likely to have sort of allergies and it strengthens yeah. our immunity and gut yeah. health and things so yeah I mean when I look at my baby and throughout her entire weaning journey it has been stressful at times <laughs> as the exchange of food between her and the dog yeah, I'm like, well we're family <laughs> it's not done her any harm um but they are I think just it's if only we could get that kind of unconditional love from humans, mm. but definitely from an animal, especially when it comes to like dogs, it is unconditional. There is no oh, day so ever sweet. where you come home where that tail isn't wagging because they're genuinely just delighted that you're there. Like, <gasps> I know, there's no hissy fits, no yeah. hormones, no <laughs> tantrums. <laughs> it's just... The one reliable source. But anyway, this episode is not about I know, we've gone off on a tangent, but I feel like we need to... Right, after this, I'm going to have to go and revisit the dog conversation. <laughs> you are. This is going to become a personal mission of mine. Yay! Oh my goodness. Okay. And then we truly will be twinning it. I know, we will, won't we? I know, yeah. I know. We'll have to call the dog, like, Nala. Is it Nala? The, yeah, yeah, Nala. Yeah, you could. You've you got could have Simba. Nala to my Simba. Nala. Yeah. Oh my goodness me. <laughs> the future. There we go. But anyway. <laughs> but today we are actually having this, you know, aside from it being the anniversary, it's about to be topped by an even more special sort of theme for today. And it actually goes on following a very special post that Steph, you shared on your Instagram just over a week ago, which really moved me and it resonated and moved a lot of people. Um, and it was you sharing actually a real raw, vulnerable insight into your journey through your fertility uh, journey and your IVF journey. And yeah, and you have agreed to talk about it today, which I'm so grateful for because I know that there will be so many people that will find value from it. And yeah, can I ask, like, what prompted you in that moment? Because it's taken you a while, hasn't it? Because you've always been quite sort of private. I know we briefly touched on it before here. Yeah. But what that day um, kind of made you share uh, how you felt? Because it was a beautiful picture of you and Akash at a oh, wedding. You. Yeah. And you just said that here, this is how we look. But nobody knew that actually behind the scenes, there was a whole other story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I'm so glad that we are doing an episode on this. And I think because we touched on it 
briefly in one of our previous episodes. I think I thought, oh, well, I've spoken about it, so that's it. But actually, you're right, we haven't done a whole episode just talking about it. So I'm really glad to share and I do hope that it can help people as well. And I do certainly have to say that sharing now, retrospectively, is a lot easier than at the time. Um, And I guess that's... So last, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, it was um, Fertility Awareness Week. And so a lot of the, a lot of kind of posts were cropping up and kind of talking about it, which I think is brilliant because just in general, there's a lot of taboo and potentials, you know, stigma. And it's, you know, Mm. it is something that is very personal and people don't necessarily want to talk about, but it's a lot more common than we think. I think the statistic is that one in seven couples will experience difficulty with trying to conceive so if you think about your group of friends your family most likely if that's not you then it's going to be other people around you and you might not even know about yeah. it so mm. yeah I guess just seeing all of those posts it just took me back to that time that we were in and I remember that particular photo because it was the most beautiful day at, that was an incredible wedding it was so lovely some really really close friends but a couple of weeks beforehand, we had found out that the our first round of IVF had failed. Um, so we had been trying for about, uh, I think it was in total, maybe 18 months. Um, and then we started thinking, OK, well, it was a little bit earlier than that. Then we started thinking that we needed to seek some help. But um, kind of from when we first started trying to then starting the IVF cycles about 18 months, and I think the, <laughs> the funny thing about trying to have a baby is you spend like your whole teenagers or whatever it is, you know, trying not to get pregnant. People, you know, talking about contraception yeah. at school, you know, do not have sex without, yeah. you know, a condom because then you will get pregnant. And so you just automatically think, right, it's just going to happen. Yeah. And then it doesn't. And you're like, what is going on? Um but I mean, maybe we can kind of come back to that later. In terms of the post, um, it made me think about just, yeah, the the the, the time that we had been through. Um, and that moment for us was just a really, really dark, difficult period because we just felt like we were completely in limbo. The IVF hadn't worked and we were just trying to figure out what had happened next. And I just... There was so much going on and actually we'd only told close family. I haven't hadn't told any friends at all. And I just I just we just weren't ready to share. I felt I don't know, for some reason I just felt like it was a weakness and I thought mm. I don't know, again, maybe it's because we've been grown grown we've been brought up in kind of that Asian culture, but um, yeah. you know you don't show your weaknesses to other people that's what I was kind of brought up um, to to think and so you know we were newly married people we'd been really open about the fact that we'd wanted to have kids and people would say you know oh when you think about having a baby you know classic like everyone does um, and we had gotten to the point of just absolutely mastering like the answer that we would give but like oh no you know we want to just travel a bit you know enjoying being married yeah. but underneath that was the you know month after month of negative negative pregnancy tests or you know and it was just kind of building and so I think the more that it built up and the more that we kind of pretended that that's not what we were doing the harder than it was to actually tell people and I think we just weren't we just weren't ready either um so 
I guess my point of the post, as well as reflecting on our journey, was also the fact that we just really don't know what people are going through. Yeah. Um, and so just to be mindful as well of the language that we're using um, and, you know, the questions that we're asking people as well, because just in general, uh, I guess I've realised through friends and family, but also through following certain people on Instagram, you know, the road to trying to conceive a baby. There are so many different different things mm. that can happen, challenges that can happen along the way. Loss, for example, is a whole other whole other topic. Um, but yeah, you just don't know what people are going through. And like, like I have friends who have been through horrible things as well. And they'll be like, oh my goodness, I just went to this party and someone asked me this. And it was like a knife in the chest, you know, that people were asking these questions. So we just, you just never know um so yeah, yeah that was so the kind true. of yeah yeah I'm sure you've experienced that um, as well I think that when you talk about taboo um absolutely and it's properly uh worse in sort of ethnic minorities mm. I think we're both from Asian backgrounds and in our culture certainly like there's this like mapped out trajectory for girls you know you get married you've got the career you get the job or whatever but you get married and you have kids yeah. and the moment it's like that's next thing day of your marriage the next day it's like oh so when you're having a baby and you almost kind of believe that this is your role and therefore if it doesn't happen even if it's not happening for you people make it worse for you mm. and I think that the other thing that probably in our realm is that as doctors I recognize now how little I was taught about fertility at mm. medical school and therefore, actually, we don't know much about it. We're not taught about it. So when you're presented with people, like patients, or even friends that might open up about it, you don't know. Sometimes you actually don't know yourself as a language of like, what do you do? Like, are you? what's the kind of tone that you take with them? What is the language that you use? How do you like support them? Mm. Um, and I think in general, as a collective in communities, we need to make this a very acceptable part of conversations rather than it being something that's a bit stigmatized something that's a bit hidden not spoken about um especially in an era where more and more people are choosing to have children later yeah. uh, and comes with that is like this could be their choice maybe they don't even want to have children but if they mm -hmm. want to have children later on or they can't have children sort of you know in inverted commas naturally and have to go through fertility then that is completely like, fine but it's not spoken about enough and I think that that's where the problem lies mm. but as you say it's really personal and you've got to be there because it itself I have a really close friend that's kind of going through her kind of fertility journey right now and how much I've learned from her versus how much I know from a medical perspective, it's night and day, you know, mm. and and when you love someone so much and you watch them going through the highs and lows and you're going through it with them in, in, in ways, obviously it's not the same, but you're just worried for them, you're anxious for them, you're waiting for that result with them and you want to know how to support them either way, whatever happens and you find yourself praying for them, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, um, but it's only going through that with my friend right now that I'm like, gosh, it's so, it's it takes that process of conception to birth, which already is one that's very challenging, but it takes it to a whole other level. Mm. 
Yeah. And I think that that's what when, because I'm kind of going through this with my friend right now and watching her journey. And when you shared that, I just thought, I'm so grateful to you for doing that. Because as you say, you never know what anyone is going through behind mm. closed doors. And people just see couples and presume that, you know, they can just say it and like not think twice. But actually, we need to get better at just being a bit more sensitive and protective in our language. Yeah, that's the thing. And I think the interesting thing with us as well was that I feel like we had two very different journeys. So um, when we were trying to have our first baby, again, like I said, you know, we hadn't told many people. We... Um, only told close family and then like I said we kind of did so firstly actually before the IVF we had a round of IUI so intrauterine insemination so a little bit more straightforward and they said look why don't we just try this first and then see what happens and I think typically you know depending on people but they may suggest kind of a few rounds if, if you want but I think we did the first round didn't work and we thought do you know what we just feel like we just need a little bit more support all of the tests we'd had, investigations had all been perfectly normal. So whilst that was reassuring in a way, we just, you know, there was no obvious reason why things just weren't happening. So we just thought, you know, if that's not working, can we just step it up? So then we went on to the IVF and then that didn't work. And up until that point, like I said, had told very few people, our eldest, she then, whilst we were kind of regrouping, um, trying to figure out what do we do next. <laughs> I remember we had a follow-up appointment with our consultant after after we found out that it hadn't worked just to explore what our options were. And he said, well, look, take some time to think about it. You know, maybe come back. We can discuss, you know, other options or kind of trying again if you want to. And he said, but in the meantime, you know, don't, don't, don't stop trying because, you know, it might happen. And I think, yeah. obviously, we were so... It was such a sad appointment but we both looked at each other and just kind of started laughing. We were like, it might still happen. We're like, are you, are you joking? Like, what, mm. what is going on? Um, but she did surprise us the, the month after. Um, so for that, we were very, very grateful. I, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Was that I, just completely I just like... couldn't believe it. I mean, I, oh. I'm obviously, you know, I'm sharing. And, you know, sometimes you're like, God, is this too much information? But, you know, yeah. we're just going to roll with it. We're just going to roll yeah. with it. There was, I still remember the morning. It was about six o'clock in the morning or something like that. And I just hadn't been able to sleep. And I woke up and I said to Akash, and I was like, you know, I said, I was expecting, I was expecting to have my period like a few days ago. And I, and I just, I haven't had my period yet. So he was like, Steph, he's like, why don't you just do a pregnancy test? And I was like, no, I don't want to. And he was like, why? Mm. Not why, but he just said, okay. I said, I've done so many pregnancy tests and they've all been negative. And I was like, I just don't want that disappointment again because every time you do one, you cling on to mm. it and you're like, maybe this time it will be positive. And you look at it and you're like, oh. and it's just mm. like complete heart sink. So I said to him, I just really don't want to do one. He was like, okay, well, if you don't want to, that's fine. You know, you can just you know let's just wait and see what happens and then I was like okay I should probably do one it was still like you know because it was so early in the morning it's still kind of dark so I just kind of left it you know I was like oh whatever I've done it fine and then I picked it up and I was like oh my god and it wasn't a proper clear line it was like a really faint line but there was definitely something there 
And so I went oh to him, I was like, oh my God. I was like, what do you, th-? I was like, please tell me, I'm not seeing things. I was like, what do you, he was like, I think I can see something. Um, so immediately I was like waiting for our fertility clinic to open. They open at like eight o'clock in the morning. I rang them and I was like, I don't know what's happening, but yeah, I explained the situation. And I like, come in for a blood test so quickly. Um, the clinic that we were going to is in central London. So I kind of went in before clinic, had the blood test. And then you obviously have to wait. So there I am, like, doing morning clinic is normal. Um, and then they rang at, um, at lunchtime. And they're like, yeah, it's it's positive. The HCG is is up. And I was like, oh, oh my, my God. God. Um, oh, my I God. Just, yeah, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> that makes me really emotional. <laughs> I couldn't believe Stop. it, honestly. Like, you cannot, yeah, you cannot imagine. Um, I think I was just in shock. That was the main thing. And, you know, so many questions, then you're like, but how? Like, why? What? I don't understand. Um, and even now, I think it just makes me realise how much there is that we still haven't need to know and ha- don't know about So you about were literally fertility. gearing up for, like, a round of a- another round. treatment. Yeah, exactly. We were looking at potential, like, some of the blood tests I'd had. Like, did I need to... So you to... hadn't started that yet, no. No, we were basically regrouping. Oh, my God. We were basically regrouping. I was almost like, I don't know if I can go through this again like straight away like maybe let's just take a break we were planning like to go on holiday or something like that to just have a bit of a reset and then come back and then kind of redo it because it takes so much out of you like physically and mentally as well um so yeah uh, but you know thank yeah we're very very grateful um so now we have I think for anyone even that's listening to this right now who might be on their fertility journey and have maybe been told that of just keep trying mm-hmm. you never know because we've had patients like that before as well that have just been waiting on the waiting list and like it's taking forever and like just yeah. keep trying yeah I hope that even if there's just one person out there that's listening to this that just goes oh my god you know, I think that your story, that's what your story does. It gives hope on both fronts. Yeah. Like you've got two touch with like precious, beautiful little girls. Like, yeah. um, and as you say, your stories are so different, but they just give so much magic and hope and belief in, in this process. Yeah. Um, which is just what's lovely. And, uh, oh my God. Like, I, I know. I can't, so I nice. can't believe it. So... So, but I mean, the the clinic were incredible because from that point on, they were still, um, I would have to go in every other day to have a blood test done to check that it was doing its thing and kind of doubling. They were great and they did scans really early and I was very spoiled because I think from about six weeks to 12 weeks, I basically had a scan every week. Like, you know, obviously that is not normal, but it was so nice to just, and reassuring just to go in and see that small little blob on the screen and just know that they were still there so nerve-wracking time exciting time as well but uh yeah just I couldn't couldn't believe it and obviously you know in the meantime still had to carry on a lot of the medications they kind of worked me on all the kind of medicines that I was taking beforehand or a lot of them Mm. that I was taking beforehand um but just kind of supported me through and then at 12 weeks they basically like discharge you from the clinic they're like right well you've got to 12 weeks now kind of big milestones so that's it you know you can go back to NHS care and you're like just there thinking okay you know you've had so much support and so much input um but that so that was yeah but that was also a really nice feeling to think okay they, you know you feel like you can go and do this mm. um so 
Yes. Gosh, that's so lovely. But when I say, also, when I say that they were different, I also, it's because, uh, yeah, so up until that point, we told, we started telling friends. So we started telling friends, yeah, after, you know, after a 12-week scan. Um, and then also telling them the backstory as well and say, well, actually, we've been going through this. And they were just like, Steph, like, we just... So did they know that your eldest had been an IVF? baby or no yeah so no uh what do you mean no so they so I told them that we were pregnant so that was a natural conception Mm-mm. but we told them the backstory of saying uh you know and also actually we have been trying for a really long time and actually mm. we went through IVF and all of this so kind of told them what happened retrospectively um uh, right So, because I know, yeah, some people, you may just choose to say, look, we're pregnant and, you know, kind of that's it, which is, again, absolutely fine. It's your personal choice. But I think I just wanted to, at that point, I felt ready to then share with my friends. Um, And actually, when I did, it was was really, it was really nice. And everyone was so lovely and obviously really supportive. Um, Mm. But yeah, they were like, we had no idea. And they were like, but I thought you said, and I was like, I know. I know I said those things, but that was not true. That was just to kind of yeah. kind of get me through the time. But in con- complete contrast, when we were trying for our second, again, yeah. we had a very low threshold. We were like, look, we needed some support last time. Who knows what might happen? So after six months, actually, we were like, it's nothing's happening. Let's go back to the clinic and see what they have to say. Um, and uh, everyone knew then like you know from a very early stage we've told friends from look you know we it's mainly with uh friends you know we really want to try and have a second and actually i'm gonna start the ivf process again and i think it was just i don't know it just felt easier to share maybe that was mm. because we were already so fortunate to have a, our daughter already um yeah Maybe that's why I don't know, but and I think it's probably because everyone knew the backstory as well. So then mm. I felt like actually I can I can I felt I could tell them, and it was actually really nice to have them there, like every mm. step of the way. So again, if you're if you're going through this and you're not quite sure, and you're like, oh, you know, is it worth telling other people? I don't know how I feel about it. Again, it is completely up to you. But what I would say is that if you have a few really close friends who you think you know what I could tell them and you know if you're unsure if you're kind of on the border I would say just do it because it's so nice to have to feel like you don't have to keep it feels it does feel like a secret you know when you're seeing these people who you are close to part of me felt great because I didn't have to think about it the first time round. like it felt like going to meet them for dinner was escapism I didn't have to talk about fertility I didn't have to talk about any of that mm. stuff um but also at the same time, second time around, you know, it was nice to just be open and be like, oh, today yeah. was a really crap day or we've got a really important day coming up and um, just having them there and just knowing that they were there as yeah. well was really nice. But I think as being someone who is a friend to someone who's going through this yes, just now, yeah. like my my friend's been amazing. She's been so open with all of us and she's like, because it's really important, she feels really well supported and she's like, I, you know, I don't know how else to do it, you know. Um, and like our first cycle wasn't successful. We're currently going through the second one just now. But I think in doing that, 
it's been so eye-opening but also it's it's given space for like you know like often I'll just be like well tell me like what 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 happened and what was involved and you know because obviously it helps her she's like you know it just offloading really helps rather than keeping it in but then we're all very different so I think that the advice that you've given is just ultimately it's up to you but actually feel empowered and that if you do share it that you'll be given this whole amount of support and love through that space that otherwise can feel quite isolating Um, and also like it's very educational for those that don't know you know like even as a medic I'm learning so much through this with my friend that I have no idea and in turn actually it helps me with my patients you know Uh, and it's a funny thing this but actually sharing is very empowering if you are ready for it Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that by you doing this and I you know, we often get this. It's even more like, wow, you're a doctor and you're sharing this. But actually you as a doctor sharing this is so powerful. Um, and yeah, just like respect to you. Mm, thank you. Um, if someone was like at the beginning of their journey just now, like what is the advice or like are there any things that you would say to them that you would do or wish you had done differently? Good question. I, I often think back to this as well I think that so I think the really difficult thing with going through all of this is that there is actually no control you realize that you have no control over what's going to happen and it's the unknown as well like not knowing what the future holds as I said to like my husband or like my sister so many times I would be like if I just knew that we would have to go through this for another three years. But at the end of it, you know, we would have our baby. I was like, fine. I would be like, you know, put your head down. You just, you know, you just grin and bear it and just do it. But I was like, who knows what's going to happen? It could be next year. It could be three years. There are some people who, you know, who I'd met in the clinic who were on their, you know, seventh or eighth cycle. So I found that part really, really difficult. And so, and as I meant, I put right in my post that it does feel like you're in this weird limbo where life goes on, but you're just still trying and trying to achieve the same thing. And it can almost feel like you're stuck in mud. You know, you're trying to get somewhere and it can feel really difficult. Mm. So my advice would be to, I know it's it takes up a lot of your time and kind of mental capacity as well but try and get something else on board that you are sure about that does yeah. help to give you that sense of control. It's very easy. Of course, all of this completely consumes you. And this isn't just even, you know, fertility um, treatment. I think everyone always thinks of fertility treatment as IVF. You know, there are so many other things as well, like even just trying to conceive, yeah. you know, can completely change your mindset. All of a sudden, you know, you're thinking in very different ways. So, I would just yeah try and pick something. I think what I would have done because I, I had work and actually I loved going to work and I was so thankful for work because it was a bit of a distraction and it was this constant thing where I knew what was going to happen uh, every single day, and even you know so just pick whatever it is that is for you. Um, you know whether it's 
carry on staying at work again my mum was like are you sure you shouldn't take some time off and work were really lovely and said do you want some time off and I was like no um or that might be like physical exercise for you for example you know just picking something that you know is is within your control Mm. um and I think sharing with someone you know I spoke to my mum a lot and my sister a lot about it and that just helped hugely so it's yeah. not it's not like I'm saying you've got to tell like 10 different people but just tell yeah, yeah. tell someone, someone um as well and I guess the other thing that I would say as well is still for, for you as a couple if you're you know if you've got a partner obviously some people will be pursuing this journey by themselves for you you know as a couple take the time for yourselves as well because it's a really stressful time to go through and suddenly you know having a baby and you know in the movies the Hollywood way is uh you know depicted to be very like romantic and all this stuff and suddenly you've got injections and medication and blood tests and you're like what is going on um and so it can make it obviously it doesn't really medicalize it but um and it can put a real strain as well so again you know take the time Mm. to for yourselves treat yourselves as well um yeah, I guess those those are yeah. the things that I would say um, would help a bit. And is there any advice you would give to people who are supporting those going through fertility treatment? Yeah, good question. Um, I think that there are a lot of things cropping up on, you know, things not to say. And, you know, obviously it's, it, to, we were kind of alluded to this to, at the beginning, you know, just... You don't need to ask newly married couples all the time. So when are you having a baby or if someone's had their first, you know, when's the second coming along or, you know, I think those questions can just be kept to yourself and people will share if they want to. But I think um, just being there for them. I think that as friends, if we, or you know, even family members, a lot of the time, I think if people come to us with a problem, maybe it's the medic in me that thinks this way if people come to us with a problem I'm I normally want to try and give them a solution and say okay well you know you need to do this you need to do that obviously it's a lot more complex with this um but I think people just just want your support just saying you know I'm sorry this is really shit and I'm so sorry that you're going through this but I'm here for you Mm. and I might not understand what it's like to go through but I will be here to listen to you, to be happy with you, to be sad with you and just to, you know, support you throughout the whole time. If you want to talk about it, let me know. If you don't want to talk about it, you want a distraction, great, we can go out, you know, and have lunch together or coffee or something. Um, And just, yeah, just, just being there for them, being really honest as well. And even being honest and saying, look, I'm really sorry, I don't know what it's like to go through Mm. and I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, let me know how I can be there for you as well. Because, again, people will want support in different ways. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think that's so helpful and so important. Like, I think that every couple of days I just kind of send my friend a message going, thinking of you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sending you lots of love. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because I just don't know what else to say. But equally, I am am always thinking of her. I'm always, like, praying for her. Um, And... You do because you, you know when you when you love your friends and or you know if it's a family member you just you want them to be happy, you don't want to be overbearing and 
but I think that something that I think that she's really like enjoy well I don't know if enjoy is the right word but I've just kind of been really open with I don't know like I actually mm. don't know so what was it like or what happened and yeah and actually her being able to speak through it has been helpful um because I think it's just her being able to share like her experience as opposed to me because you know you don't want to be all doom and gloom for your friends you just mm -hmm. want to be there in the capacity and be there emotionally available for them when their emotions are might be depleted yeah um and whether it's just little lunches and making them laugh and just you know um yeah exactly so, yeah. and I think it's so nice just to have those messages as well you feel like like I was saying before you feel you know so easy to feel completely depleted from everything but to get those messages of you know we're here for you you know thinking of you we think you're amazing you know you're so brave all of those you know so lovely messages it really it can it really helps to boost you and i and think, think it has you know, to come from a place of love though as well yeah, like yeah like something i felt really bad about and i don't know if you've ever had anyone say this to you you know is that like when you haven't been through that you know like what if you've been the complete opposite where it was easy for you to fall pregnant mm. and you mm. find yourself in a situation where you're supporting someone where it's not been easy for them mm -hmm. and how to kind of overcome that sense of guilt because yeah. it can feel like oh gosh like I feel really bad and and actually recognizing that you don't have to feel bad about that like your journey is very different to mm. your your friend or your sister or whoever that you're supporting that's going and actually you've got to separate your emotions from what yeah. they're going through yeah um because I think at the very beginning like I I had that I was just like it's just it's I felt like it just wasn't fair like mm -hmm. it's not fair why it's it's like that for some and it's not like that for others but actually you can't support someone when you're thinking that way yeah exactly and I think that's the thing it is unfair it, it's so unfair um yeah. but actually focusing on them is the best mm. thing that you can do maybe you have to, you know if, I think asking them in a way to kind of if you were to say I'm so sorry I feel awful because you know it was so easy for me and you know I hope you don't you know I don't I feel so bad about it potentially that can kind of sap some of their energy as well mm -hmm. yeah I think that if you feel like you have a lot of guilt about potentially finding it easy to conceive for example like you said being able to separate the two because I think if you start putting that on the person who's going through all of this and saying you know I'm really sorry is that okay you know or I feel really awful you're then kind of asking them to support you so it's kind of the other, you know, it's it's kind of the wrong way round. You and they maybe, might not even be thinking that way. Exactly. They might not even be thinking that way. You just need to maybe take a step back and like help unpack that stuff for you. And again, like you said, it's not actually about you. Like I had friends who, whilst we were going through all of this, they would tell me that they were pregnant. Um, and of course it would make me upset. But, and oh god you just go down this downward spiral you you know your initial reaction is like you feel upset you feel this like overwhelming emotion of sadness and then you start thinking oh my god I'm such a horrible person for feeling that way um you know I should be able to deal with this why can't you know why is this making me feel sad you know I should be able to separate all of these things and it's just this vicious cycle of you just feeling just generally really crap about yourself 
And I think the thing that is so important to and to know, or certainly for me anyway, was that it wasn't anything to do with that person. I was so happy for those people that were pregnant because I was like, I'm so glad that you have not had to go through what I'm going through because I would not wish oh, it on Steph. anyone. Yeah. But equally, you can be happy for them. But of course, it's going to make you reflect on your own situation and think, but why not me? You know, why mm. Why is it that we are going through this? And also, when will this happen for us? You know, mm. so for me, it was two very separate things. Um, and again, you know, people will be at different stages in terms of unpacking how they feel about other people being pregnant. Um, but that was kind of the conclusion that I came to. I guess also when you're thinking, you know, if you do know someone who's going through difficulties or challenges and you find out that you're pregnant, again, sometimes people will be like, what do I do? You know, how, what's the best way of, of telling someone? Mm. Um, again, different preferences. But in terms of people I've spoken to and how I think about it, I would say something written is easier you know picking up the phone or telling someone face to face that can be tricky because that it immediately kind of demands a response the response mm. that we would obviously want to give would be like congratulations that's amazing but then you might want to go and just have a little bit of a cry um because like I said it just makes you reflect on your own situation so yeah. trying to avoid putting people in that in that situation so even just sending a message and being like hey just so you know or, you know I know this might not be the easiest thing or you know but just to let you know at least you know you sent a message they don't have to reply straight away they can kind of deal with however they're feeling about it deal with their emotions and then come back to the message and, and send yeah. and send what they want to send yeah. And they've not had to find out in like an awful way either, like on the grapevine yeah. or anything like that. It's just like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that that is so helpful, and I wish that, like, in ways we'd heard this like years ago, uh, it needs to be part of the conversation. These tips and helpful advice because it is, it's very important. It's about being able to be sensitive. Like, it's completely different. But I remember, like, several years ago, like my friends all married and stuff now. But you know, there's a period where she was like you know in her words chronically single and every time we were all like going through phases where everyone was getting engaged and she would just cry anytime somebody like, got engaged and she was like it's not, it, it's not that I I'm I'm not upset for them I'm yeah. really happy but each time I'm like why am I not able to find someone so yeah. I think it's just I mean it's part of human nature we're all human we all have this range of spectrum of emotions and life is cruel at different times and you have your ups and you have your downs and it's I think it's just being really mindful of that and particularly in the context of fertility which is so sensitive and it's just such uh it's just such an incredibly important part of life um that we need to do better with supporting those that are going through that journey and um being there for them with them throughout it all yeah so yeah no absolutely oh, Thank I you think so um much. no no it's honestly I'm so okay. glad to be able to share I feel like there's still so much to say about it but um it's yeah. your podcast <laughs> keep on talking I'm no, learning no I just think it's yeah it's just even now having been through it I think that's why I found writing the post very therapeutic in a way but even now going through it I find it really hard to describe 
and to put into words what it was like. And I don't, I, yeah, I don't think I'll, I think it will still take me some time to get there, but I think it's just because it's, it's just everything, like so many emotions. It's just, yeah, a roller coaster. I mean, also just, there are also some comedy moments, like situations where you just have to take, take a step back and think, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like the biggest part of, I think some of the, the hardest part and the most challenging part for a lot of people will probably be the daily injections that you've got to do. Yeah, you know, self-injecting. Like for me as a doctor, I was like, okay, well, at least I've seen a needle and syringe before. I've done it myself. But to then have to like do it yourself, you're like, oh gosh. And I think, God, you know, that's me as a healthcare professional, let alone anyone who has never set foot near a, a needle and syringe before. So to anyone who is not a healthcare professional going through this, like amazing respect to you. And then there were these awful, awful injections. So there were a couple that were in the tummy that were, you know, fine. Okay, you can get on with it. But there were some awful ones these progesterone ones that had to be given with a green needle and green needle like in terms of the scale like green needle is quite a big one Mm -hmm. and had to go in your butt and I couldn't do them myself I was like I couldn't bring myself to do them I was like I guess you're gonna have to do them again you know luckily my husband is a GP and he feels confident at doing that type of thing obviously he was you know he didn't love doing it who's like I wish I could do them take some of them for you and you know not have to do them as well but it just became this like ritual for a couple of weeks where we would you know settle down at night and I'll be like right ready for the injection you're like god what is going on but there Mm. were a couple of times where he remember um with my second uh when we were kind of going through the whole process we went to a wedding And he couldn't come to the wedding because of work. And I was like, oh my God, who is going to give me my injection? And I remember I asked my mom, I asked my dad, both of like, I didn't, I knew not to ask my dad, but I was like, mom, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, not my dad. I was like, mom, maybe. Like, she was like, oh my gosh, no way. She was like, I, I know, I just wouldn't know what I was doing. I couldn't, like, just as soon as I saw the expression on her face I was like okay she just really wouldn't feel comfortable doing that okay fine um so (laughs) we were it was a a wedding um there were two dentists that were getting married so I was like why don't you ask some of the guests at the wedding (laughs) and I was like are you serious he's like they're dentists like I'm sure someone wouldn't mind doing I was like no way am I asking people who I've never met before um because they were like family friends anyway I ended up doing it myself in the toilet cubicle in between like main course and dessert I was like right I'm just gonna have to go and do this and I tell you what like I did it but that was definitely one of those situations where you kind of just come out of your body and you're like what is going on you're like I cannot believe that this is what we're having to go through um so yeah, I mean, if you don't, if you can't cry, you just got to laugh about it sometimes. Yeah. So. Then now when yeah. you look at your baby, like, oh, to just... I know, I know. I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't believe... I, you know, we have those moments where you look at them and you just think, I can't believe you're here, I can't believe you're mine. And it's 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 those feelings, like, you know, times 100,000. I just... Yeah, I feel so, so well, lucky to have I get too emotional them. for this stuff. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, it's, that is so beautiful. Yeah, it's, I, even, um, even more so, I think, like, um, 
Oh, that's so precious. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, and this is the thing that I also said in the post, like we feel like the lucky ones because we are, because I know that there are people, like I said, I met through the clinic who had been there for so long and I know people who have been trying and they've had to come to the point where they thought it's just not going to happen for us you know, and they've had to make the decision to stop. Because the other thing about IVF as well, that or, you know, fertility treatment in general, is it is bloody expensive. It yeah. is, yes, you can have cycles and, you know, um, on, the, on the NHS, of course, but if you're looking to have a, a sibling or there are some reasons why you aren't eligible on the NHS, um, yeah, it's a massive financial commitment as mm. well. And... So again, we feel very lucky that we were able to go through the journey because of that. Um, because again, I'm you know, for many people that would be that would be it though. But like, well, we just you know, we can't. Unfortunately, that's not something that we can do. Um, so yeah, we still feel immensely, immensely lucky in in so many ways. Um, and yeah, just very grateful for our our two little girls oh I'm so happy for you and I think just an endless awe of science and wonder and miracle like I think this is it it's all of it isn't it all of that it is just uh, it is just incredible it is incredible what science can do and um so I'd have I didn't mention it but so with my I've with the IVF cycle that we had initially before we had my eldest, we obviously had made we kind of went through the whole thing. So you kind of create new eggs, create embryos, and we had five I think five that were left over from that cycle where they said, Look, these look like they're really good quality, so we can freeze them. And then if at some point, you know, future cycles, whatever it is, you can use them again. Like, yeah, of course we've been through all of this work, you know, there's of course let's let's freeze them and, and wait and see what we want to do um but then obviously we had like my eldest came along so when we went back to the clinic trying for our second they said okay we've well, got these frozen embryos so we should go we should use those and um came to transfer day everything was prepped and what they have to do is like defrost them and I was just like how are they doing this like how when they say you know People say, you know, freeze your eggs a lot of the time. And you just think, physically, what does that even look like? Yeah. Like, are they all, like, just in a fridge on a, like, a shelf in a pipette? Like, what are they? Because they're microscopic. Um, So they were, you know, they were thawing them. And, I mean, it was, it was actually a really, it was a a really difficult day because we had five. We started out with five, um, but only one survived the thawing process. And so they kept on calling us being like, hi, we just did another one but I'm really sorry like that one didn't survive so we have two more left you know what do you want to do because some people want to save it and just say no don't worry about it you know save it for future cycles and we're like no just keep going but then at the end they called us and they were like we're really sorry like this is really unusual but there's only one that survived and already we're like feeling completely deflated because the previous IVF cycle that we'd had, um, we'd had two transfers. So we were like, well, you know, if we're only, there's only one. We'd already started like thinking that it just wasn't going to work, um, but it did. But it did. So, so my, this was this was the one. My, yeah. So my youngest. Yeah. So my youngest is this one frozen embryo that was created in 
2016. Oh my god! Like, oh my god! I've got actual goosebumps. Isn't that? I just I so could, that yeah. is that is science. That is miracle. That yeah, is it's just everything. Like, it's geez. just incredible. Honestly, just incredible. So you must just. Like, I know that when I look at my kids and it never never leaves like I look at them and I just think gosh thank you God like miracles yeah. miracles yeah. but then listening to this like literally an actual proper miracle I know what are the chances? Well, I mean they I know what they, they what, all but are, what but... are the chances of that like you know they all obviously are but like what are the chances of you like having this of just the one shot and it then being this little bouncy, vibrant little gorgeousness that it just runs, it's it mad. just blows my mind. It's mad. It I know. Really... And to think also that she's therefore technically, chronologically older than my eldest because she like that she was created before. Do you know she was like frozen in time? I don't know. It's just mad. Yeah, I know. My sister was like, she was just waiting there, Steph, for however many years. And that whenever she says that to me, whenever I think of that, that yeah, I just start bawling basically because oh. it's just yeah, it's 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 mad. It's it's incredible. So whilst it's a very you know a really difficult thing to go through and there's no doubt about that actually someone sent me a message after I put that post up and they were like but also I'm just so glad for science and that I'm even able to do this yeah and feel like giving myself like a bit more of a chance in that way and I was like yeah you are completely right um it's it's just incredible I think that's just wonderful oh do you know that is been I think this is probably my favorite episode (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I think that just kudos and thank you for you sharing this um it's helped me get such an insight into what it's been like for you but also a whole like new perspective on what it's like for those going through it and I think that you've shared not just your own story but also to others listening of how to support someone going through their fertility um and yeah thank you thank you so much my pleasure well I'm yeah thank thank you thank you to the podcast I'm just so yeah I'm very glad to have been able to share and I do hope that if it just helps we always say if it could just help one mum or help one parent you know one person going through this then yeah I'll be happy and please you know my messages are always open so send me a message if you like or send us a message on the Instagram page whatever it is you know if you need if you feel like you just need to reach out to someone who's been through it just so, to get that this is crap I'd be like yep I know then yeah send me send me a message for sure absolutely thank you so much to all of you for listening as per usual you are amazing we wouldn't be here without you um and as Steph says if there's anything at all that you want to ask then please just dm uh and of course if you enjoyed today's episode then please do leave us a review on apple podcasts or whatever platform you listen to our podcasts on but until next time bye, bye.